Hi, everyone. I'm Mandy Dollywell, Chief Marketing Officer at Nutanix. It's my pleasure to be hosting this podcast of the Cloud Council today. And I have a very special guest in Keith Ferrazzi, founder and chairman of Ferrazzi Greenlight and New York Times bestselling author. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to discuss human capital and how we've evolved from pre-pandemic to pandemic to now the post-pandemic era. We'll talk about the great resignation. We'll talk about the great exploration. We'll talk about what's happening today in the macroeconomic climate in a tightening economy. Really excited to be able to dig in and uh, speak to Keith and, and hear about his expertise. He's a, a renowned speaker uh, on this topic. So welcome, Keith. Mandy, thanks so much. And I'm I'm excited about this too, because it's not very often that I get to look at all of these questions with a specific lens of IT as well. And I, I, I don't, I'm not saying we could stay only focused on that, but I really want to focus on um, what I believe in the research we've been doing is the role of IT and the transformation of human capital overall. So hopefully we'll be very practical and give some great advice to the, to the listeners listening in and um, love the... Uh, uh, love the partnership we've had over the years with Nutanix. Thank you very much, Keith. Yeah, this has been wonderful. Let's dive right in, right? Let, let's talk about the state of human capital. People in our organizations are our greatest asset. End of story. How do we continually ensure that we are doing right as employers and uh, as, as employees on the other side uh, in order to, to really manage the current operating conditions that we see ourselves in. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, how quickly the tide turns. Um, here we were, I remember the last time that I was on one of your forums, we were having conversations about the great resignation. We were having conversations about, um, you know, uh, uh, quiet quitting and, and retention of talent, et cetera. And here we are today where the headlines or about Amazon and Salesforce massive layoffs, right? So, you know, one of the questions I think uh, I would like us to explore is, has the pendulum swung? And are we in a position today where what we the stuff we were talking about um, a year ago no longer matters? And I think the answer is, um, it matters. It might not be that you are getting the resignations that you were getting in droves. It might not be that the, let's call it the, the, the rumble and the complaint levels uh, are as high as they were. And I know a lot of executives back at the time were thinking of them, that their, their associates were entitled, right, at the time. That might have shifted or dialed down a bit, right? But I think what still is happening is the mindset has shifted. There has been a fundamental shift through the pandemic, relative to people's um, uh, attachment and their contract with work. And I think there is a desire to have more balance. I think that there is a desire to have more flexibility, and that exists. And what I'm going to suggest and encourage is despite the leverage might have shifted, where there might have been leverage on the, on the associate's behalf, and today there might be perceived slightly more leverage on the employer's behalf. The great leaders are the ones that aren't using leverage, but are recognizing that their associates are as important as their customers. And how we serve associates needs to be as important as it was when they had leverage. 
Now, I think what needs to change is not the conversation of where we work, but how we work. I think there's a win-win, and this is what I want to explore with you a bit. I think there's a win-win we can get to by changing how we work, not just where we work. We can actually fulfill mental health and well-being in the workplace and gain the productivity that Elon Musk and others are claiming uh, and demanding in this new leverage model. This is fascinating, Keith. Thank you. Um, and agree with you on many of the points that you've made, right? You're, you're an expert uh, at this topic, obviously, and you and a team of researchers have done uh, researchers have done a great job um, and a great body of work around the great exploration, right? And I think it's still relevant to your today to your point because you know people are this asset. Um, talk to me a little bit about your findings and how we adapt them for the world we're living in today. When there's back to work mandates, when there's layoffs looming, the headlines are are um, doomsday scenarios. But is it yep. really doomsday? So let's let's dive into that. First of all, you um, you belied the fact that you did your homework. So thank you very much. You mentioned something called the Great Exploration, which many people don't use that term. But um, at the time when the Great Resignation was happening, I was working with a group of um, CHROs, CIOs, and a number of executives, and uh, trying to really define how do we how do we meet the Great Resignation and how do we retain the hearts and the minds and the well-being of our associates. And it was it was actually a guy named Mike Clementi, who was the CHRO of um, uh, Unilever at the time, who said, you know, I don't see it as that. I don't see it as the great resignation. I, as a leader and as a head of HR responsible for associates across the organization, I think what's really happening is that people are exploring their contract with work. They're exploring where they want to be, how they want to be, and how they want to show up with work. And if we as an organization doesn't don't meet that with empathy and with understanding, then yes, what's going to happen is we're going to suffer the great resignation, right? So now let's just spin ahead a year. People are still exploring what, you know, what work means. I, I'll do a little side uh, uh, talk. I just came back from three weeks in Bali. And it shook me at my core in a couple of ways. Um, and it's directly relevant. This isn't just going to be a silly musing. It's directly relevant to what we're talking about here. But it shook me in the following ways. Number one, I had more health and well-being than I had for many, many months. I did yoga every day. I, uh, I ate better. Um, the pace of, of life was was extraordinary. No, of course, it's a vacation, right? Um, but I had to ask myself, is the way in which I can feel balanced in my life, either turn it on or turn it off? Can I either just um, quit and retire or go on uh, longer vacations or take sabbaticals? Or can I find a way to balance and integrate, right? And there was no reason why I couldn't do yoga every day, even now, right? So that that even me, who you know is about as hard charging as you come doing all of this research had a reflective moment even now at this point in time with everything that's going on in the marketplace. But what I noticed was this: our research also showed that in today's work world, very few organizations are have truly re-engineered how we work. 
we still sit at our desks with a series of meeting after meeting after meeting and meeting, thinking that that's the way in which we collaborate. Whether or not we're physically in an office five days a week, or whether or not we're um, at home on Microsoft Teams calls, the reality is we're still a meeting-based collaborative culture in our worlds. That has to change. What we've found is that, the, that we, we created a model during the pandemic and we called it world-class hybrid. And there are four levels of a world-class hybrid company. The average Fortune 500 is at level one and level two, which basically means they're barely scratching the surface of exploring the tools that the IT organization has put into place, which is why I'm so excited to be speaking to a lot of IT executives here. You put tools in place and many of you aren't even using them to their fullest in your own IT organizations. The stack of collaboration tools, you know, whether they're Google Docs or SharePoint documents, which yield asynchronous collaboration, probably one of the greatest losses of, of the opportunity we had during the pandemic was we should have learned not just to move a meeting-based synchronous collaborative culture into remote meetings and then back again into physical, We've never learned how to use asynchronous collaboration. We should be reducing our meetings by 30%. If we reduce our meetings by 30% and move to asynchronous collaboration, we get the freedom and the flexibility that everybody's longing for. The stress and fatigue of a meeting-based culture is killing us, and IT organizations should be the first ones to embrace these new tools to their fullest. And I challenge you as IT professionals, you're not doing it. Right. Um parallels to me, I have to stop and, and kind of call this out. As you were talking, what I'm envisioning and what I market is quit lifting and shifting from on-prem to the cloud. There's a new way to operate in the cloud. It's a new model and to have this portability of workloads across any location, right? That's what we do. We enable organizations to run anywhere. So you're effectively telling us we've got to reimagine how we work Amen. And also what we deliver to our employees. We've to got to stop 100%. You mentioned uh, earlier when, you know, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give the audience a peep into uh, our conversation before we came on board. But you asked me how I felt like with Bob Iger's uh, right. movement to four days of work at work week. Listen, I, I've also had a chance. I was at a, con, I was at a meeting, not a meeting, it was a party actually, but I was at a party where Elon Musk was there. And this is right after he had made some pretty bold statements about you know what he feels about remote work or people who want remote work um, and his sentiment toward these individuals. And look, my, my comment to both is stop focusing. Uh, you're, you're leaning on the drive to being in the office right. because you think that being in the office equates to better collaboration and better productivity. But that's because unfortunately, you personally have not fully witnessed the power of using what I call the whole collaborative stack. So when we look at world-class organizations that are leveraging, that are increasing productivity to their fullest, they start with asynchronous collaboration. They move to remote meetings where they can get the broadest participation, which, and I could even get into remote meetings and why the way you think about remote meetings is, is subpar to way best practice companies use remote meetings, which we can come back to. But then they move from remote meetings, they move into physical meetings where you really have the gritty challenging stuff. 
if you force your people to be back in the office and they're doing the same meeting crap that they could have done on a Teams call or Zoom call, then there's going to breed resentment in it and it's silly. So we need to be using and maximizing the collaborative stack. In remote meetings, for instance, the average meeting of 12 people, whether it's physical or remote, only four people think that they've been heard. Right. That's because meetings are, of 12 people are typically had without using breakout rooms. In remote meetings, at the snap of a finger, you can send people into breakout rooms of three to have a short dialogue and then come back in. So let's say you and I were having a conversation, Mandy, about our, our um, Nutanix 2023 plan. And, um, and I was a business unit leader and you're our chief marketing officer and you're talking to me about the importance of, you know, whatever. We're just having this conversation about plan. And let's say we have our teams with us. Well, typically our teams would just be watching in while the two of us banter about this topic. Right. But if, if instead of that meeting, you snapped your fingers and, and our teams went into breakout rooms of three and they opened up a SharePoint doc document or a Google doc. And in that conversation, they said, you know, what are our risks to the 2023 plan? What are some innovations that we think should be introduced in 2023 that we haven't been considering? And they have even a 10-minute conversation in a breakout room on that topic. Then we come back in. And by the way, you and I get to read everybody's feedback after the case because it was documented. It's a game-changing conversation. We've now moved from four people being heard to everyone being heard. And we've squeezed the juice out of that full meeting. That's what you use remote meetings for. We could have had 50 people in that room and squeezed the juice out of every person that was there. And, and that would have been a better way than having a physical meeting, watch having 20 people watch you and I talk about it. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I, I'm all in. I want to be able to go do that, right? I want to learn more about this because, right, what happens is the quietest people in the room are often the ones that are just... You know, they're sitting there with great ideas, but just don't have the confidence to speak up and juicing that right is, is incredible for the greater productivity of the organization. So um, love that thought. And, and again, as you were talking, I'm thinking of generally those conversations and even in physical meetings happen in the hallway going, oh, well, Mandy said this, Mandy, when you said this, I thought of X, Y, Z. Like, I don't want that as a sidebar. I want it as a right. core. Amen. And that's part of the issue, which is the culture of most of our teams has been broken pre-pandemic. We have a diagnostic tool that we use that uh, when we are coaching teams and we coach a lot of you know CIO executive teams, the average CIO team has a candor level between zero and five of 2.4. The average CIO executive team sits there and they answer, when I ask them the question in a, an anonymous survey, do we challenge each other when it's risky to do so? Questions like that, on average, get in an answer of 2.4. So we're sitting here with suboptimal teams. And those numbers were the same pre-pandemic. Now, in a post-pandemic world with teams that have re-engineered for world-class hybrid, where you're using breakout rooms, where you're asking questions in asynchronous documents without meetings where people can be thoughtful and everybody can give their, their, their input in advance of a meeting, the, the candor level goes from a 2.4 to a 4.7 because you've re-engineered the social contract. 
Right, right. I so, recently so, wrote an HBR piece on this topic, um, which uh, um, I'll, before we're done with this, I'll come up with where that URL is for folks to go to. Um, and we can give it to everybody who's listening in. But it's, an, it's a Harvard Business Review article about re-engineering the social contract as a world-class hybrid team. But we've got to re-engineer how we work, not just debate about where we work. So, so really interesting. Let me kind of play back what I'm taking from this conversation from you. The way we were working prior to the pandemic was not optimal. The pandemic highlighted the ways in which it was broken. And now as we enter this new era of hybrid, right? Sidebar there, as I sit in rooms, I'll, often I'm in a physical location and I've got folks on my Zoom screen. Yeah. It's terrible because yeah. the people on Zoom are not heard, there's sidebars in the room, it, it's mayhem, yeah. right? And so we've now taken something that was inherently flawed and broken it further. Yeah, so, and that's because we didn't change the, the, the rules. We didn't change the rules that we should have. And that's the big loss and it's killing me because we had this, and this is why, when, when, and this is where when we started to work together, um, you all were supporters of our research at the beginning of the pandemic, because my I've been researching hybrid work since 2010. In 2010, I started looking into what I heard um, uh, Cisco was doing around WebEx, telepresence, et cetera. I was at the time coaching a John Chambers team. And so I started looking at this and I, I, I went and I, we researched, we studied, we, we did 18 published studies from 2010 to 2016. Nobody gave a damn. Then in 2020, I was like, finally, we have a laboratory to test all of this stuff. And because of the pandemic crisis, we didn't stop and re-engineer the way we worked. We just moved to survival mode and reported ways of working from physical into remote. And guess what's happening now that we're, quote, back to the office? We're going back to old workways and it's killing me. It's killing me. So I'm on this mission of never going back to work, but going forward to work. And that's been, you know, that's been our research. Love it. Um, I will tell you, right, the recharge of, of the most recent holiday, everybody that I've talked to, irrespective of, you know, students, physicians, you name it, everybody that slowing down was much needed because it felt like there were many on the precipice of burnout because this yeah. new way of work is just not optimal and productivity is suffering because of the demands, the artificial constraints that we put on ourselves. So how do we break free? Um, I just looked and the, the, the website that, we're, that we use for a lot of our research is called hybridteamswin.com, hybridteamswin.com. So people can go there and pick up the research that we're talking about. For sure. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, this has been extraordinary. Um, what do you think if, if we were in our listeners' shoes, what do you think they're sitting on their edge of their seat wishing they could ask? I have a question um, yeah. that I'm on the edge of my seat about, right? As, a, as both an employee and an employer and a, and a leader of this organization, what we grapple with is right? What's right in this new world, right? Back to office. How many days a week do we put limitations? We're, we're bringing in food. We're offering opportunities for collaboration. We're flying people in for leadership offsites. FaceTime is really important, 
how do we make that work for us in the way that we're reimagining hybrid work? Thank you. And I, first of all, I don't want to, I don't want to get into a wrestling match with Bob Iger or Elon Musk. Um, I might win the wrestling match, but generally in the, in the business context, I probably wouldn't. Um, the reason I say that is I don't care if you're five days a week or fully remote first. The answer is start reinventing how you collaborate. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're five days a week, you're still hybrid. Because if you're five days a week, you've got people in different offices around the world that you've been collaborating with, and you're still forcing them into meeting after meeting after meeting. And even if you're in five days a week, you've got five people in one room, and you've got one person in a cube in another office, and you've got another people in five room, and you can't even see each other, right? So that collaboration needs to move to individual screens so that even you've even though you've got two different rooms collaborating, everybody still has their own individual screen up. So we're, we're back to the point where we can see each other's faces, even though we're in two different rooms, right? That's just a hardware challenge, which companies like Logitech are helping us solve for today. Um, but then the second thing you've got to do is you've got to stop using meetings as the primary form of collaboration and start doing what we call meeting shifting so that we don't drag people through the frustrated um, uh, uh, existence of meeting after meeting where they're not even heard, where we're not really getting the juice out of the meeting. We need to re-engineer how we do remote meetings. We need to re-engineer asynchronous collaboration so we don't even have to do meetings in many ways. Um, you know, I'll give you a very, a very quick, for instance, if you're about to have a meeting and you know that it's a two-hour meeting and a half of an hour is presenting, then create that as a video in advance of the meeting. Right. And you present in a video and you send it out to everybody who's coming to the meeting. And here's what you do. Before they show up, ask them to to fill in a, a SharePoint document or a Google Doc where one column says, what risks or challenges do you have for that presentation? What, what is that presenter not seeing? Next column is, um, are there any innovations that you would offer, any ideas you would offer, right? Now you could come up with whatever questions you want, but those are good standardized questions. Have that stuff sent to the presenter. Then the presenter shows up prepared for a wholly different agenda, right? The, the presenter shows up saying, wow, you gave me these challenges. Here's what I'm thinking. You gave me these ideas. Here's what I'm thinking. Let's have a dialogue. And now we've engineered a, an agenda, which frankly, we just had a quote meeting asynchronously where people could do it over a 24, 48, one week period where they chilled out and they could do it on their own time. And then we had a meeting which landed the damn plane. So that's an example of meeting shifting, right? That you could, that everybody could say, I don't care if you're five days a week in the office or whether you're or fully remote, that is a better way to collaborate. Well, now that's is- what I want people to awaken to. Yeah, I love it. It levels the playing field for everybody. You know, so what I'm hearing is we're we're hybrid, irrespective of being back five days a week. The world is hybrid. We are hybrid as employees. And how do you take that Amazon memo, right? That whole construct of writing the six pager and having people get in a room and read it. How do you turn that into something that's more dynamic and multimedia? So you disseminate the information. You don't use the meeting for that. Do that async and then come in and do the rumble because that's where the magic happens. Yeah, I've got to admit, as much as respect as I have for Amazon, which is huge, 
Andy Jassy is a, is a friend and deep respect for that organization. I've never been comfortable with the one page memo read because I've always felt like that we should get to a stage where that should be expected of people prior to the meeting. Right. So that we're not taking the half of an hour of synchronous time to read together. And I understand the practicality of why we do that because many people don't read it, but I think we could level up the expectation and get to a stage where that's done in advance. And then you could even ask for feedback in advance. Now I'm pushing the edge of the envelope, right? And now we could show up really ready to land the plane. And we're using synchronous meeting time a little differently. Keith, this has been incredibly illuminating. Thank you so much. You. Uh, I am wanting to dig deeper. I think we may have a part two on this one. Well, good. Uh, I'm happy to be here. And again, hybrid teams. What did I say? It's uh, hybridteamswin.com. Um, people can pick up a lot of other information. Yeah. And we'd love to get a link to your article, the HBR article, and we'll we'll be sure to post that as well and get people um, their hands on yeah, it's that. It's called Renegotiating the Social Contract in Teams. Excellent. Excellent. Thank Any you. last nuggets of wisdom before we sign off? No, I just, I just want to go on record and thanking Nutanix for a great partnership and funding a lot of the research early on and uh, appreciate being here today. We really appreciate you. Thank you. You're absolutely informing and helping us move the needle on how we continue to be a great workplace for all. So thank you, Keith. Really enjoy this partnership and value it.